This week on the show, Annika Sila and I are going to watch one of the first sci-fi films ever made, Fritz Long's Metropolis. like a black and white light. on a scale from like zero to woke like how woke are you uh you know it depends on like the day of the week i'm feeling like like i'm kind of a uh weekend warrior kind of a woke end warrior if you will just <laughs> super woke on the weekends a little less woke on the weekdays it's really hard to be woke and have a nine to five job you know like yeah woke life balance you know how it goes but anyway wow that was that was stupid. so much more than i bargained for it was very good uh well welcome to sci-fi with jesse mercury welcome to sci-fi welcome yeah welcome oh god oh god let's not do this 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 is not the movie to make woke jokes about <laughs> let's i see i'm let's, not fast enough to make puns uh i don't have any woke time jokes to be fair like yeah. that's a that doesn't fit into past, present, future tense very well. I'm like barely awake right now. I can't do it. That's I can't, fine. I can't pun. You can pun. You pun for me, and then I'll just talk. Sure. And we're gonna walk <laughs> a two, watch a two and a half hour movie, and then. Oh, I'm terrified. So we we, the plan is okay. Here's the plan. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna watch Metropolis, and then we're gonna talk about it. And we've been talking about doing this for like a straight up year now. Yeah, and actually a year. And yeah, I'm very excited probably. about it. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, I've seen you since then. You've been on Sci-Fi on Trial since then. Sure. It's just like something about the prospect of sitting down and watching a two and a half hour movie and then talking about it is a little intense for some reason. Yes. I can do it with a two hour movie just fine. It's that extra half hour and the fact that this is in black and white and it's a silent film. Yeah. And I've never seen it. Uh, and I, I've always wanted to because I know it's like a foundational sci-fi film. Sure. Uh, yeah. 1927. January like one of the 10th, 1927, nice. so we're coming up on the 100, the 90th anniversary? What? Because it's, it's 20, 2017. Oh, yep, yep. Math, Math. Yeah. 90th anniversary <laughs> of uh, Fritz of Long's Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah. Wait, January, so it just passed like 11 days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is the That's 90th anniversary like celebration this. podcast. Yeah. That's what we waited for. You're we duh. planned this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going to watch it and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, Perfect. That's the plan. Sounds good. Uh, and, and we're both a little terrified that our, I, I don't think I have ADD. I'm just uh, easily bored, but you do have ADD. <laughs> I legitimately, and I'm unmedicated because being on Ritalin makes it hard for me to write and my art ah, come first, damn totally. it. So this should be super fun. I'm so just, we'll if you have do. like knitting needles, I can just do something with my hands. While we, we're yeah, doing. we got to come up with a strat. We got to like make some origami just or something. Just play patty cake the whole time. <laughs> we're probably just going to like love this movie and it's going to be great. <laughs> but you've likely. seen this, right? Yeah, part parts yeah. of it. I mean, this was like... Uh, if I remember correctly, this was your suggestion that we, sure. we watch this movie. Don't put this evil on me. No, I was like, I was so excited. Like, oh my God, yeah, it's a sci-fi podcast. So you should totally watch Metropolis. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. We did analyze it. We analyzed it in in uh, college. So I've seen like large majorities of it, but never in a start to finish sort of way. So really? I'm really excited to get the na narrative or lack thereof, because one of the main criticisms of it was that it had kind of a a naive lackluster narrative so i'm interested huh. in seeing what whether or not that's true i mean it's also 90 years old so what right what critics from the 1920s thought was a lackluster narrative we might 
hate or love or so i don't know it'll be interesting to see yeah and i know that it's referenced a lot for filmmakers that i love mm-hmm. and i know it was a i think the reason this came up was because we did the brazil podcast and this was one of the direct influences on brazil for terry gilliam so, absolutely so yeah. i've been yeah i've been curious for years and we're gonna we're gonna pop my metropolis cherry i'm excited i saw right i i'm just i like fritz long a lot because i saw m and m is such a good movie um when did he make that <sighs> late uh in the early 1900s i don't remember exactly he made yeah. that i believe after he made metropolis but okay. i can't be sure all i know about him is that he's german and <laughs> that he lived earlier <laughs> he those are he's also a film director which that, is i know what, that yeah. i know that and he co-wrote this with his wife right yes yeah which is super cool, cool. um do you, do you know anything about his like background in sci-fi? How did he come to make a sci-fi? How did he come to be one of the first people to make a full-length sci-fi movie? I don't know. I know he is heavily influenced by um, Bauhaus. Bauhausen? Bauhausen? Bauhaus. Isn't that like a hip-hop group from the early 90s? Is that, I don't think they're hip-hop. I thought or R&B. They were, I thought they were punk. <laughs> punk can we edit this part out where we don't sound like we know what we're we're both wearing glasses with clear frames and we don't know who <laughs> Bauhaus is the color of my frames is actually champagne oh fuck you <laughs> when I bought the glasses like she's like okay do you want the the there was two colors like do you want the amber or the champagne I'm like oh, obviously I want the champagne obviously the champagne <laughs> yeah. and then she's like do you know who Bauhaus is and you're like I, I'm sorry you're yeah. breaking up I can't Bauhaus <laughs> was obviously a uh, an alt punk group from the early 80s obviously uh, yep yeah probably Bauhaus was actually a uh, what's it called when you use the banjo ba- banjoing uh, fiddling no uh, that type of music bluegrass <laughs> Bauhaus is a bluegrass group from South Dakota from the mid 2000s yes. created by someone who loved dogs. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually he was the lead singer of Megadeth and then <laughs> once Megadeth found religion and they turned into Mega Church, he split away from them and he created Bauhaus. Yeah, because yeah. he was living in a place where he had a lot of, he would like shelter animals and they would just bark all the time and it's just like bow wow wow all the time in his house. And he's like, "Oh, Bauhaus. <laughs> I'm going to combine my love of animals with my love of bluegrass." And his name was Justin Frenchman. <laughs> and he was 28 oh he was 28 really when he started Bauhaus sure sure yeah. and then it broke up when he was like what 29 uh well he died when he was 29 oh right yeah. and the band would naturally fall apart considering it was a, a band of one like he, one of those guys overdosed. on the street that just... he overdosed on corn it's the only time it's ever happened <laughs> <laughs> he went into a corn coma this is the and never woke thing up and then died. Ever done? <laughs> I feel like we're avoiding watching the movie. Yep. Okay. Let's. But we should do. It. I mean, you're performing tonight. We got limited time. We yes. should. Let's put this fucker on. I'm gonna make okay. us some tea. Yeah. We'll like put the movie on. It's gonna be awesome. Here we go. There are actually several different versions of the film Metropolis floating around out there. For a long time, a bulk of the film was actually lost. So several of the older versions are as short as an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes because a lot of footage was just lost to time. The most notorious cut of the film was created in 1984 by musician Giorgio Moroder. This cut featured altered colors because the film was originally in black and white. So the film was tinted to have a sort of psychedelic uh, color scheme going on and then a rock and roll soundtrack was added. So in that version, you don't get to experience the incredible musical score from the original film that we're hearing right now. But back in 2008, a, uh, a print of the film was found in Argentina. It was heavily damaged, but it was almost complete. 
that version of the film was combined with existing versions that had a higher film quality to create the complete Metropolis, which is what we watched on Netflix. This film is 95% complete from Fritz Long's original cut. So let's see what Annika and I thought of the film. Oh, so this movie is supposed to take place in 2026. Are you on Wikipedia? Yeah. No, I knew that. <laughs> you got that from the movie? Because I prepared for this by reading all this ahead of time and knowing what was happening. And by that, you mean you're reading Wikipedia right now. That's not true. Anyway, no time has passed. Is it recording? Yeah. Okay. No time has passed since we were talking before and we're talking now for our listeners. But for us, we just spent two and a half hours that were arduous. Actually, it wasn't that bad. Was it wasn't it? that bad. No. It wasn't that bad. There were large, lar- ironically, both Jesse and I got very bored with the uh, action the scenes. Action. <laughs> the yeah. action scenes went on for whole minutes, which was entire rough. minutes, minutes whole long, minutes. running like, away from giant water streams for minutes, <laughs> whole minutes of flooding, guys. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Um, yeah. But overall, I, let's OK, let's start with our overall impressions. Overall, I kind of liked it. Like I, I was that my phone? I loved the um, I loved the visuals. I loved the Definitely. cityscapes. I loved the robot. I thought that was so cool. Sure, but like I didn't get anything from the story. It it didn't seem to have, uh, like I mean, some sort of commentary on society. It like the whole thing looked like it was being set up to be a commentary on society, and then I'm not really sure what that commentary meant. No, maybe I I'm just not smart enough. So what I kind of got from it, it it reminded me i felt the same way watching this as i did when i read dante's inferno where i was like wow this was really really impactful when it was made i don't care anymore like this doesn't affect me the way that it was it was designed to i think one of the we were talking about the fact that one of the big criticisms of it was the fact that it was considered a very naive film like a lot of the critics at the time were like that's unrealistic and i think I think his main goal was to be like, hey, the bourgeois class and the proletariat class have to get along for society to succeed, which was really only clear at the very end of the film. But I I like I think that's what he was trying to do. But again, Hmm. I'm like, really, it took you two and a half goddamn hours to come out with this Pollyanna view on how an industrial society needs to function. Like, no, that was not. Yeah, I guess that is kind of the takeaway, isn't it? Which is well, let's let's summarize this movie because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this haven't listened, uh, and it's not. I'm, I don't think it's a movie people are going to care about spoilers. So no. <laughs> the basic, I mean, basically you have this society called Metropolis. It's just a giant city. You have all these people living in uh, in bliss up above the surface, and then all these workers that are just toiling away below the surface to keep these machines running all the time. Uh, I love the I love the fact that there's just all these machines that do nothing, but if you stop using them, the pressure builds up and they explode. Yes. So you have to have a worker on all these machines all the time, and it's just kind of a system of labor, it seems, for sure. no particular purpose. Yeah. This was also like because this was one of the first sci-fi films. I think a lot of these didn't. He needed to create machines that looked like they had a purpose, but didn't do anything because he was kind of paving the way for what a sci-fi, yeah, a, a futurist. Because again, it takes like we talked about; it takes place in 2026. He had to imagine 100 years in the future. What is it going to look like? Right. I assumed that they were purposefully pointless. Interesting. That uh, it was just trying to show that the workers have to keep working because that's what they're for in the society as sure. like a, a way of keeping them down. 
And then you have these people that kind of benefit from the fruits of their labors that live up above in the clouds. That could very much be what he was trying to say. I, I wasn't sure because I, I don't know if I was like, well, it's 1927. They don't yeah. know what machines do either. Like, what is gravity? So maybe... Totally. It's so hard to to disconnect... Like, wh- how am I supposed to interpret this movie as from the time period? And, like, what is it doing to me right now as a human who is used to watching Galaxy yeah. Quest and being wildly entertained? Yeah, it's like our conversation about intersectional feminism. I'm like, how intersectional can I be to be like, how did people fear 100 years ago? Like, yeah, what? totally. How am I supposed to feel? But- Which is really important when you watch a movie like this because it's, I mean, it's 90 years old and you have to approach it from the point of view of, like, what, what did it do to society and film back then? Because it's obviously not doing the same thing now. No. And it, Thing, it, can't, it, it can't do both. Yeah. And one thing I had a question about. Um, so at the very end of the film. Uh, well, should we continue kind of summarizing? Yeah, let's summarize it. I mean, we can summarize it pretty fast. So you have this this woman who's kind of like the resistance to the to the uh, the society of the surface, I guess, who's telling people that there's going to be this chosen one, this mediator who's going to speak uh, for the the white collar and the blue collar and, and help them kind of learn to talk to each other. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if it's been prophesized or something. It was like religious imagery that was kind of unclear. It was definitely a Messiah narrative. Like totally. it absolutely yeah. was one of those. Yeah. And then we, the son of the person who runs Metropolis is our Messiah figure. His name yeah. is Frieder. Uh, so that's like one of the plots. Uh, actually, his name is Frieder Friederson. But that's Frieder here Friederson. That's, that's so true. Yeah. Germans. Excuse me, I'm Frieder Friederson, and I'm here to <laughs> buy an auto insurance card. What's an auto insurance card? No, I think fine. it's just auto you're insurance. Fine. Yep, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I could have stopped a word earlier and made sense. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it was a two and a half an hour long film. We're not. We're a little zonked. On our a game We're a little right zonked now. out. It was a lot of reading. A lot of a lot of reading. Cue cards, not cue cards. Yeah, uh, we we kind of. Uh, Text we kind screens. of roasted the whole movie all the way through, yeah. which was fun. Yeah, we used up all our funny. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky we didn't film. record it though, because it wasn't that good. Yeah, no, no. it wasn't. It was a it lot was... to talk about Subway and eating fresh. But yeah, uh, it was a good. Uh, anyway, so back to the story. Yes. Uh, so you have the father who uh, uh, used to, I, I guess, birthed Frieder with this woman who's died. Her name is Hell. Uh, and she was also the love of this crazy scientist who I will call Doc Brown because I don't know his name. That was Rot Wang. Rot Wang. I'm, that's, I do yeah. as no, it was Rot Wang. <laughs> yeah, Rot Wang is not a Doc name Brown. you forget. A name or an affliction. It's a description yeah. of something that has happened to an unfortunate gentleman. Sure. So, uh, so Rot Wang is building this robot. And I mean, the robot is the the classic image from Metropolis. That's mm-hmm. the thing that you will remember. Mm-hmm. He's building this robot and then... Uh, Friederson, the old man Friederson commands him to use this robot to impersonate uh, Glory. Glory? Maria. Maria. <laughs> so <laughs> no, close. Not, not, not the same word. Uh, <laughs> so basically he wants to make the robot look like Maria so he can sow discord between the workers uh, and their, their figure of faith. And then Rotwang has his own plans and he uses the doppelganger of Maria to kind of bring about this huge cataclysmic event of society where uh he convinces the workers to through maria to stop using the machines everything stops working people are screaming and panicking the lower part of the city is flooding this is when the minutes of flooding occurred minutes of flooding minutes of seriously it was like 15 minutes like it was it was a a, lot of flooding i totally tuned out during the flooding yeah that's which is it is really ironic that like during the really slow 
uh, narrative building scenes, which were few and far between, we actually paid attention. But then yeah. when there's a lot of action, I don't know if it's because it was happening 170 minutes into the film, but <laughs> it got it got pretty rough towards the end there. And then the final fight sequence was uh, long, but I had a lot of questions about that that we can get to. Yeah. Yeah. So they they basically uh, they stopped the flooding. How do they stop the flooding? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but basically, like, uh, all the, the blue-collar workers are afraid that their children have been killed, but uh, the real Maria and, and uh, Frieder Friederson mm-hmm. <laughs> have saved all the children, and Josephat, which is uh, Frieder's buddy, who's yep. got a great name yep. that is very unfortunate for anyone to be named. Up there with Rotwang. Very bad. Yeah. Uh, jo- Josephat... He's like, no, we see, the children are fine. And then all the blue collar people are relieved that their children are fine. And then they decide to make friends with the leader of the of the white collar. Yeah. So uh, as you can tell, it's just a totally waterproof plot. Um, definitely. <laughs> Which is good because it flooded. It... <laughs> <laughs> thank Finger you for, guns. Thank you for fake laughing. <laughs> that I was a it. genuine laugh, actually. <laughs> That's my real laugh, asshole. <laughs> it was uh it was an interesting film it was uh it was a very i don't want to say like cliche narrative because again when it was made it wasn't necessarily cliche but it would kind of followed the messiah story and it it, you can see that it was the genesis for a lot of sci-fi ideas like the whole uh idea of i thought or immortality was kind of part of it because Mm. originally the mad scientist rotwang was cannot say that name without laughing rotwang was creating this machine to become hell who was as jesse pointed out freighters freighter freighter freighterson no old man freighterson old man freighterson's wife who had died yes that's that's who the robot was supposed to be and they were trying to like create oh, right. her yeah. in her image so that's it's the idea right. of of using technology to kind of create a sense of immortality like you can conquer death with with technology which but they never explained why uh rotwang believes that the robot is hell is this woman because there's no reason like he was just he just built a female robot because he was so torn up about hell dying and named it hell he didn't uh he didn't like imbue her with soul or anything as, as far as the movie went into but then when he does steal the image of maria he puts her into this weird like image cloning machine. We thought they were, we thought he was going to rip her skin off. Did not go that Real way. Real bummer. I was very yeah. excited for the skin ripping. Yeah. I, do, I wanted to see how metal Oddly enough, film. that's not the first time you've said that, that to is, me. Oh, you are almost certainly right. I, I was so excited for the skin ripping. I confidently agree that that's not the first time I've said that to you. It's like how other people feel about monster truck rallies. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> skin ripping! Yeah. Annika cut the sleeves off her shirt halfway through the film being like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Super excited about it. But anyway, there is a, what were my other themes about immortality through technology uh, industry to reinforce classism. I feel like that's kind of a a trope of sci-fi. Yeah, maybe, maybe totally. not. you know sci-fi better than I do. Well, the 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 big sci-fi element that I recognized from this was the idea of 
making people work needlessly just to give them something to do so you can maintain a, a system of control. Interesting. And that to me was like a huge part of what made Brazil so great is Definitely. that nobody knew why they were doing anything. They were just all part of this machine that you had to take part in. And if you stop working, then the machine breaks down, which is literally shown in Metropolis where they yeah. stop working and the machine yeah. breaks down. I think the, the extreme segregation of classes mixed with the whole, yeah, the idea of just like working to keep the proletariat class working yeah. does seem like something that you run into sci-fi a lot. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. And very particularly in Brazil. And I totally saw the the influence of Brazil on this movie, like looking at the skyscrapers. Sure. So what are sky, the skyscrapers? skyscrapers. Oh, man. Skyscrapers. This is our best best losing, work yet I'm losing the words so ladies sleepy. ladies what am i saying <laughs> i'm losing the words ladies i was wondering who you're talking to i was like well there's just me I was, <laughs> and i barely qualify i was talking to you <laughs> i was gonna say lady hey lady. it came out plural and i just stuck to it um oh boy yeah yeah it was interesting seeing um so we kind of touched on the fact that when when maria's consciousness was being transferred into the robots she was in a tube that was really reminiscent of lilu's in the fifth element totally uh it took place in a very like mad scientist sort of lab that was super super frankenstein so it was definitely interesting seeing both like the narrative like the the narrative and the visual things that were kind of really instrumental in forming modern sci-fi narrative and in terms of like there was a weird there's a lot of references to biblical stuff, which I feel like you yeah. do see a lot in sci-fi, but I don't know why mm. that is. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's the closest thing that our culture has to like a monomyth besides, you know, like the Joseph Campbell monomyth. Yeah. As as far as like a like a story that everyone will know. Yeah. I feel like the Bible is kind of like the easy the cheap and easy version. It's like sure, sure. everyone's heard of like the Tower of Babel and everyone's heard of the Whore of Babylon, well, which are be, both in this movie. But the best part is that you and I were both like, what's the story? I don't I, know the to be story. Fair, I got the story of Babel right. And they okay. called her the Whore of Babel and not the Whore of Babylon, which that's why I, I was they confused. did call her the Whore of Babylon. Like the, it said they were talking about the Tower of Babel and then they were it said Babylon on something else later. Maybe I just got confused because I was like, I don't think there was a whore at Babel. I don't think there was a whore <laughs> being like, no, what language do you speak now? I was very confused by that yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure they did explicitly like refer to her as the whore of babylon it was in german you know i I told you my german was rusty so (laughs) (laughs) point being i'll cut it all out don't worry thank you i'm gonna cut this i'm gonna cut a lot of us being stupid out um (laughs) uh in terms of like there's a few different things that i made note of uh a lot of Dickensian narrative styles. I know I'm not speaking into the mic right now because I'm trying to read my notebook at the same time. I'm just going to lift this up here. Uh, Nope. Now I'm moving my mic worse. This is terrible. Oh, let's just jump into the fight scene at the end. That was the part that got me the most because at the very end, you have uh, Frater Fraterson, the son of the creator of Metropolis and who is he's our messiah. He's our messiah character. He's the one that was going to come and bring about the peace between the two different classes. So he is obviously very, very steeped in like the religious iconography of the whole film. Yeah. And, and he's like the bl- blonde, you know, he's like one of only two blondes in the movie. The other who wore a wig because he was supposed to look like this first blonde. <laughs> sure. Sure. He's the Aryan poster child. Yes, he absolutely is. So he he very much like resent, represents religion to a degree in, yeah. this, in this kind of end fight scene. And then you have Rotwang, who's a scientist who he he created. He's the devil. 
he well i i don't know if he's a devil per se i think he represents science though like he was the one who was very much like kind of playing god and being like i'm going to create this person to be the person that i loved and then once maria comes around he's like okay no i'm going to create her to destroy uh everything that old papa old man freighter created so you have religion and you have science and you have them fighting on top of a cathedral yeah interesting i i i interpreted it as um like you have like someone fighting for love and someone fighting for uh control like to control other people oh interesting that's not i see that's i think that's a better uh better interpretation because when i interpreted it as like is this fritz long being like oh i'm fighting between religion and science and then i was like is that even an issue in the ninth in 1927 i don't know enough about history to be like yeah like there was a really big dichotomy between like like what was happening in science and like what the church was saying about it but i don't know yeah. enough about i, I feel like freighter was supposed to represent caring for the masses like because he sees the workers in the beginning getting that explosion and, and it sets off the course of events of him trying to help yeah whereas like he'd been sheltered from that his whole life i really like the first part the first half of the movie where like freighter is this kind of spoiled sheltered kid who doesn't know how the world actually works and he sees below the surface for the first time and then he's devastated by it yeah and which is the to... story of buddha which is interesting that he took that oh yeah yeah because buddha was a real piece of shit was buddha a piece of shit was it buddha siddhartha yeah 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 yeah. yeah. he was like a total spoiled child oh before then... he yeah, yeah, yeah pre-buddha not not like fat jolly buddha but yeah. like teen the teen it's sort of like, like christ's teen years like buddha's teen years were like yeah totally spoiled piece of shit i thought then... you were taking like a hard line that i was <laughs> confused by <laughs> i really fucking hate buddhists i don't think anyone said that no of course i'm sure someone said that never well, mind if there's a thing someone out there hates it it's I'm like def- the rule 37 yeah totally feeling life finds a way <laughs> <laughs> yep sounds yeah. about right i've um, already forgotten what we were talking about uh we we're talking about the final fight scene. oh the final fight oh yeah so so what what got you what bothered you about it nothing but i mean i thought i the way i interpreted it was that it was like a struggle between church and science but again because i don't have any idea if that was an issue during this time i don't know what fritz long was trying to say with this film yeah i don't either he he was criticized as as having a very naive narrative which i agree with because at the very end you have this very symbolic handshake between old man Friederson and the foreman of the the proletariat class uh and it's like oh look at we all get along and that is super naive because that's not the way the world works yeah but yeah that did that kind of like sucked the teeth out of the story for me yeah where it's like well we all go through this shared disaster and now we're friends but then how does that help the proletariat you know like how does that get them out out of this horrible lifestyle where they're going into work chipper and walking out of work like broken sure every day sure sure yeah i don't think they cared i think the whole point i do think fritz long very much concentrated on like the main characters in it and he's like well anyway these are background it set up a lot of cool ideas in the first half and i i was really excited in the first half i'm like wow this is like weaving a complicated web of society and i'm very interested to see where it goes but i but then i i was wrong i wasn't interested to see where it went it didn't really go anywhere for no me. it it didn't really it got yeah. very tiring towards the end unfortunately um and i don't know if that's because of like the extreme overacting because in silent films you have to overact which was cool at yeah. times yeah. it was definitely cool to see people have to translate what was happening and translate their emotions into their physicality 
But it got tiring, like the hysterical <laughs> woman sort of overacting. It was like, okay, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, she's scared. We can, whoa, we can really tell. And yeah. That actress who played uh, the Maria was mm-hmm. fantastic. She uh, was, I will say that. Her like inc- incredibly strange personification of the 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 machine man, which is what they called the robot, which was an interesting choice because it was female. Yeah. Uh, the machine man was like when she was the machine man. And she was like all spastic and weird with her body motions. I, I thought that was super cool because there's a point where the Maria's switch where you think they are. Uh, and one of them, uh, they're going to like burn Maria at the stake, but it ends up being the machine man version. Mm-hmm. And they burn her skin off and there's a robot underneath. Uh, uh, there was just enough skin ripping for me that I was almost yeah. there back you into go. this film again. There you go. Yeah. Just need a little bit of skin ripping. I just a tiny bit skin burning, skin ripping. I don't care. Just give me gore. That's all yeah. I want. You're a dark person. Yes. Yeah. Just let that hang in the air for a second. I enjoy that about you. Three, two, one, and yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, like her. But this is a crazy weird scene in the middle of the movie where the machine man is like uh, being like a snake for snake, like snake charming men and dancing on stage mostly oh, naked. I forgot about that. I think and I all the men look up. like they're all jerking off below camera and they're like. <laughs> like panting like yeah. dogs it's yeah it was so fucking weird and she's doing this crazy weird dance uh i very like evocative imagery and i have no idea what it meant i mean, i don't know that's why it went back into the religious imagery because she was supposed yeah. to represent all the sins that's where right. the stra- stopped making sense because totally. if it would have been a purely sci-fi film great perfect whatever but the fact that like the main guy kept having uh like weird visions and the fact that she was controlling the seven deadly sins and then she represented them because uh, and then there was like that quick aside where it was like oh these two men who were friends watched her dance and then they dueled because they <laughs> were so they both wanted horny yeah, yeah. It, it it really fell apart for me right there i was like i don't they wanted her shiny metal vagina yeah yep oh that's right that was still the machine dancing at the time yeah. i don't know it didn't make a ton of sense it wasn't like a really clear narrative because again if his whole point had been like the proletariat and bourgeois class have to come together i would have been like cool why is she dancing naked on stage we don't need i think i think he was trying to do too much in one yeah. movie i wanted it to be a movie about the perils of subjugating a class and it, it ended up not really being about that no which was so weird. I'm like, there were no perils to doing it. No one died. The only peril is flooding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you get the renter's insurance that includes flood damage, you can You're oppress fine. anyone. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted that. Like that's that's what Brazil has that this lacked is that Brazil really shows you the horror of becoming a cog in a machine that like sucks out your soul. Sure, but without this film, I don't think Brazil could have done that. Totally. Which is why this film is worth worthwhile you know i don't know if i'd recommend it to people i don't think yeah. i tell people that they should watch it but i definitely am glad that i did because now i get to go okay i understand where this came from i'm really yeah. big on knowing it's really important to me to be able to 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 watch or read these things that influence so much other stuff because even if if it's not good i can still go i see where this you, came you from, understand the really touchstone cool. so when people are saying oh yeah this is like inspired by metropolis i'm like oh yeah i totally know what you're talking about but i have no idea what they're talking about yeah and now, now i know I what I they're do. talking about yes uh i i enjoyed it as a sci-fi fan just to see all of these images that i'm so familiar with come to life as far as like the machine man because i've seen that so many times and it's such an incredible image i mean c3po 
is the machine man you know oh for sure like see the early drawings of c-3po looked much more like the machine man oh i didn't uh, know that like That's the cool. ro- original ralph McQuarrie drawings so that language of of robotic visuals is what inspired star wars uh for sure and then just seeing like these these incredible sci-fi cityscapes like it reminded me so much of so many different movies. Absolutely. Um, the intro to Futurama specifically. Totally. You said, yeah, you said that during the, during that. I'm like, oh my God, you're totally right. It definitely there's like planes had that and cars and, and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the elevated highways and stuff. Yeah. And it was like really gorgeous and impressive as far as what they were able to achieve back in like, what, 1917? 1927. 1927. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I still don't get so the, the father character. They kept referencing the Tower of Babel to the degree yeah. that even old man, Freiderson lived in a tower literally called Tower of Babel but this story didn't have anything to do with the Tower of Babel story like I didn't and for anyone that doesn't know the Tower of Babel story basically uh, a king in the Bible decided that he wanted to build a tower to reach God and God felt threatened by that because apparently God is fallible Uh, he felt very threatened by that so to to keep this tower from being built or built up further than it already was he cursed humanity to speak different languages so that we couldn't communicate uh, and build this tower together and everyone just sort of wandered away from the build site all speaking different languages and that has nothing to do with the movie interesting you know what okay so in the movie they retell the, the story of Babel and they show like ancient times and slaves and shit but they but they do tell the story differently and you were saying when we were watching it like they're telling the story wrong but basically the story was that uh, these people were trying to build a tower, but they didn't speak the same language. So they ended up revolting against the like, slaves ended up revolting against the people who were trying to build it because the people who were trying to build it had this great vision that the slaves couldn't share in. So they didn't want to build it anymore. And they like revolted against Maybe, them. I don't think that's it. I'm, I don't like, think that's really it either. I'm really confident that mine is right. Yeah. I mean, you're, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yours sounds, yours sounds correct. I haven't, I'm I mean, also a stand up so comedian, so I know how to say things with confidence when they're not true at all. I, I know that I, like, I've had the barest familiarity with this story at one point, and I have forgotten it since then. Sure. So I just don't know. I think my interest in language is what sparks my interest in the Tower of Babel. Totally. Like, oh my God, words. That's cool. That's unrealistic and stupid, but yeah. Fun words. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it seems like, it seems like maybe an, uh, a misunderstanding of that story is like at the core of this movie, where it's like, <laughs> If we can all come together and speak the same language, then then we can build this beautiful society. Then we can be punished by God. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah maybe we can get like closer to as a society to godliness by by understanding each other. But yeah. but but what you're saying about the story rings truer in my memory. The idea that uh, not speaking the same language was was a punishment. Um, whereas this movie it's kind of trying to reverse that, trying to get them back. Like, have a mediator so these people can all speak the same language to each other. Wouldn't it be great if it just didn't translate from English into German very well and Fritz Long was like, no, this is the version that we have. Like, ooh, yeah. wrong. <laughs> maybe, you know, you maybe you're right. Maybe they do need to learn how to speak the same language, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, so that they can build this better society. But, but that completely misses the point of, uh, like... Of having this underclass that's being subjugated. Yes. And that also misses because the whole point of the Tower of Babel story is that we should be more cognizant of our hubris, that we will we will get punished for playing God. Yeah. And I didn't really get the sense that there was any sort of like punishment for playing God. The maybe that's were, supposed to be Rotwang. Maybe maybe that's what he represents. Sure, but he didn't get punished for creating AI. Like he didn't get he didn't He got pushed off of a building. Yeah, by a guy <laughs> who was in love with Maria, not not 
it, it, it had nothing to do with the fact that he tried to play God. Like, I love I love sci fi that punishes people for for trying to play God. That's a really interesting concept to me. Yeah. And that's why I like religious themes in sci fi. But that didn't really happen here, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I guess the only way it happened is that the filmmaker killed him. Like if the filmmaker is trying to say that this is like a story of a certain type of good and evil and this is the person who died because they were evil. It's like a subtle, a very Ooh. subtle, like he's been punished. I don't know if that's like enough to that read that though. That feels meta for 1927, you know? <laughs> hmm. Like they're doing stuff like that in Rick and Morty today. So I can't imagine in 1927 they're like, okay, and now the filmmaker is actually part of the film. I don't know. But again, yeah. it was it was an expressionist film. Uh, something, something, Bauhaus, something, something that factors <laughs> in. Um, so maybe it was, maybe it was him going, I'm going to yeah, kill knows? you off because I am the ultimate god here. Which would be really interesting. Yeah. I just, I'm like grasping at straws because I want it to be interesting from a, like a conceptual perspective. And it's like, and it seems, it seems like, I don't know. It no. seems like it was trying to draw parallels to a story, the, the Babel story by changing that story slightly or like misreading that story <laughs> so that they could tell the story they wanted to tell. Yeah. Uh, sure. I didn't quite get it. Well, how does it factor into that? I don't know the Whore of Babylon story, because at that age, when I first heard the Tower of Babel, I was way more interested in language than I am, was interested we, in sex. Should and we look this shit up? 180. Sure. Let's fucking look it up. Okay. You got your phone? I don't know where my phone is. Tower of Babel. Wait. Whore of... Let's, let's do Tower of Babel first. Okay. It is meant to explain the origin of different languages. According to the story, a united humanity of the generations following the Great Flood, speaking a single language and migrating eastward, came to the land of Shiner. There they agreed to build a city and a tower, quote, tall enough to reach heaven, unquote. Semicolon seeing this, God confounded their speech so they could no longer understand each other and scattered them around the world. So you're exactly right. Fucking yeah, I am. Yeah. So yeah, so this movie gets the story of Babel wrong and then tries to like retell that story to make a point, but it's based off of something that's incorrect. <laughs> this this uh, Metropolis is starting to feel like that kid that's doing a book report on a book he didn't read, where it's like really you're like I totally get that you read every like like the first page in every chapter and like the end, and you're trying to create something out of it, but you're wrong. It almost feels like propaganda to try to keep the working class down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, the Babel story in the middle is saying like, their version of the Babel story is that the working class revolted against the leadership. Uh, and the end of the movie is saying, well, the working class being willing to forgive the leadership is what creates harmony and, and a happy ending. True. And, and like we talked about before, this movie was accused of being uh communist propaganda so is that what you think is going on there maybe oh interesting you did say that in the beginning i forgot because that was hours ago (laughs) i'm so tired (laughs) let me read about the whore of babylon real quick uh well first of all her full name is babylon the great the mother of prostitutes and abominations of the earth (laughs) so so far we're doing super well um (laughs) She's the great whore, not the mediocre whore. <laughs> she's, she's not just the good whore. She's the great whore. Yeah, none of, um, she didn't really have one particular story. She just kind of shows up in the 17s of Revelations. 
with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Which it sounds like they're just drinking like sloppy seconds. It sounds which... like she's a squirter and everyone's having a taste. <laughs> <laughs> So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon the scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy. I thought that said full of memes of blasphemy, and I was like, oh, fuck you. definitely, like, not following you. What's the story of the I don't know. There's no real story. She just shows up. She's like a recurring character where she's like, hi, here's whoring, and then disappears. She just comes in, okay. fucks and leaves, which I love her. I'm really endeared <laughs> to the Whore of Babylon now. Big fan. Yeah. People seems always like give, you're, seems like your type. People always give kids their like biblical names. I'm just going to name my kid Babylon. Or Whore. I'm fine with She's that. Little Whore. Little Whore. Come here, Little Whore. Little Whore of Babylon. So, yeah, I still don't understand what, how that story... So, I think... Wasn't it like... Uh, wasn't oh wasn't the whore of Babylon like leading up to the destruction of like Sodom and Gomorrah or something? Wasn't no. like she like seeding Was she supposed to represent the end of times, maybe? Wasn't she like like seeding sin everywhere so that it brought about like the destruction of a of a city or something? No, I th- let's find out. God, it's been a long time. Um, mother of harlots, drunk with the blood of saints. Okay, all right. Seven heads, seven mountains, maybe that seven deadly sins. It doesn't really say. Oh, the whore is associated with the Antichrist and the beast of Revelation. Uh, yeah, so. The whore does represent the end of times. Her full title is given as Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and abominations of the earth. I know. It's great. I was just imagining like Daenerys with an army of prostitutes. I am the mother of prostitutes. <laughs> I want to quote something else from that, but I haven't actually. Yeah, I only read the books. I never actually saw the movie. So I'm like, what else did Daenerys say? So much because it was a lot in writing. Yeah. So what else did we want to look up while we were here? I think that's it. So one of my... F- so all of this stuff aside, I still really enjoyed watching it because I'd never watched a silent movie before. And the first like 30 to 40 minutes, I was just kind of uh, like super interested technically in how you make a silent movie yeah. where like you do have to overact. And there's people who are like saying you see people's mouths moving and you don't hear it. And then every once in a while it cuts away. So you don't get all the dialogue. Very, yeah, you get like some of the dialogue. Very Spartan with his use of... Um text screens yeah it was very very a lot of it had to be taken from physical and musical cues yeah and i feel like they did a pretty decent job of that except for the religious imagery making the movie make no sense yeah well yeah yeah but uh the music was fantastic yeah the The music music makes it absolutely worthwhile two and a half hours straight of music and i mean they cut it up into three sections and there's like an intermission definitely i think i i real quick so the Paramount Theater does like silent movies during the summertime, like uh-huh. once a month or so. They all have a silent movie night and it's accompanied by Theater Organ. And I strongly recommend going to that because silent movies are something worth watching once in a while because it really gives you an appreciation for musical scores in film that you may yeah. you oftentimes do not get from speaking movies. Talkies. Talkies, totally. if you will. The talkies. <laughs> and it's I always uh 
I've read a lot about how Star Wars was influential on the fact that the score lasted for almost the entire movie, where there's very few moments in Star Wars that are not accompanied by music, and that that was really unusual in 1977 when it came out. But then you go back to 1927, and every moment of the movie has music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was an interesting thing to to see because I never really thought about that. The music did such a good job of setting the scene and and um it also it worked both as music and as sound effects to a degree because we did notice that there were a few things in the film that synced up with the music sunk up synced oh oh yeah like the timing tired yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, the timing like the clock ticking was in time with the music yeah yeah so there was less like sound effects per se but it it definitely brought your it did a good job of drawing your attention to certain things because when you hear a noise and you see something moving with that noise you're going to pay attention to it Right. So it did a totally. good job of doing that. Yeah. And uh, I really, I, the more I think about the first half, the more I liked it. And the more I'm kind of saddened by the second half <laughs> being not as interesting because yeah. all of, like the machinery in the first half was so cool looking and like the ticking clocks and the moving gears and all that stuff really sell this mechanical world really yeah, well. Absolutely. The, the very um, choreographed movements of the oh, workers, right. like yeah. the workers were definitely by having the, the workers move. There were scenes where the workers were, uh, you know, pushing buttons, turning levers, kind of doing whatever they're supposed to be doing which is basically pointless uh they're moving in very synchronized mechanical ways which i think did a really good job of showing like these people are part of the machine these are not like organic beings beings they really are the blood of the machine as freighter sees in his his vision of seeing the machine eat people alive did you say organic beans be i said beings but i'm really sleepy and i slur when i'm tired so just kind of organic I got real. I heard everything you said, but I did get a little tripped on organic beans. God damn it. I'm sure you didn't say that. I'm sure I'm just hungry. No, I actually did say organic beans. And then I was like, just keep talking. No one will notice. Jesse can edit it post. Jesse's hungry. (laughs) I'm ravenous right now. Feed me your beans. I don't even give a shit. I'll eat. I'll eat a can of beans. I don't care. You can. I have a can of beans that you can eat. I don't. I don't want it. But I'm saying. (laughs) But I I could eat it. Can eat it. Yeah. Yeah. I got white beans. I got mixed beans. Uh, I got red beans. My favorite. Have you had butter beans? (laughs) What type of beans you want? I got your beans. Uh, I got your beans, girl. (laughs) Hey, yo, mommy. (laughs) I've not had butter beans. Are they beans made with butter? God. (laughs) <laughs> What's your favorite vegetable? Butter beans. Just butter shaped like... No. They're like big... They're like lima beans, but like twice as big and white and like just a really good texture. Oh, fuck. I want butter beans so bad right now. Mm. Put those inside a butter lettuce and you were just like fat kid extraordinaire. But there's no butter in this meal. No. That actually sounds super healthy. Yeah. Lettuce wrapped beans? Yeah, but they, it's butter lettuce and butter beans, so it makes you sound really unhealthy. It's You're like, yeah, I'm eating butter tonight. Hey, oh, butter beans. <laughs> <sighs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> that was neither here nor there. Nor there. No. No. That was nowhere. That was absolutely nowhere. I'm trying to look at my notes about... Uh, this reminded me of a book called The Unnoticeables, which no one's read, so never mind. Um, Dickensian narrative styles, because a lot of it had to do with, a lot of it was coincidental, like how lucky right. was it that you happened to be here? Yeah. And Dickens would do that all the time, where it's like, oh, Oliver Twist, you got accepted by this family that happened to be your long lost relatives. Oh, also, spoiler spoiler alert, if you haven't read Oliver Twist. Um, Uh-oh. Whoops. But it, it did have a lot of I think you run into a lot of a lot of narrative styles like that back in the day where it was like, 
and also this happened. I think it, you, you ran into that more with people that were very religious that felt like there was a, an element of divine intervention that they could throw into their narrative. So they'd be like, mm. yeah, so like Freder Frederson happened to be walking past right when Maria shouted for help just because God wanted him to. he's the chosen one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, they didn't need to explain it as, as uh, religious or divine intervention just because everyone kind of took that as fact at the time. Yeah. So I, that that reminded me of, of that. I'm trying to just see how many books I can reference that I read. Well, I read <laughs> this book, so... <laughs> hair flip <laughs> i flipped my hair but i realized no one could hear me do it in space no one can hear you flip your hair <laughs> i think i think we could hear it i think the mic picked up your hair flip we'll find out when we listen back i can hear that uh i was thinking the whole time how cool it would be to have a remake of this movie yeah i know we're in a world where like reboots and remakes are are annoyingly uh copious but yes I would love to see I would love to see a movie in a Brazil style city like this. I guess a metropolis style city. Uh I would love to see something that was influenced by Brazil to go back to the source and make a city influenced by metropolis. No, like influenced by, by Brazil because I thought it was I mean it was like a influenced super by term, metropolis yeah. and like even more interesting. Yeah. Uh and then to be influenced by that and go back and remake metropolis with like a really really intensely interesting city that is that is just all operated by machines that are uh human levers and pulleys below the earth and if these people stop working the whole machine will shut the whole city will shut down and if the workers knew that they could revolt but yeah uh but they're just afraid of explosions so they don't they don't even try that and i i feel like there's a story in there where you have this this woman who's like this kind of a uh, rebel leader trying to give them hope that there's going to be someone who can like explain their plight to the outside but maybe then in the end they realize that uh no one will speak for them but themselves and like they learn that they can stop using the machines on purpose and choreograph this that would be machine stoppage across the city i do think i think it'd be cool to see that i would like to to see it remade but also still as a silent film i think there was that movie that came out the the art not the artist i don't remember what it was called but there was a movie that came out within the last like five to eight years that was a silent film that like won a bunch of awards and i think it'd be really interesting to see a modern silent film because you're going to take a lot of actors that are used to being able to speak yeah and now they need to overact again but not to the same degree that they were obviously in this film because that was i think that's a great idea i think that'd be really cool it'd be really cool to see a modern silent film yeah because i did i did really enjoy watching a silent film for the first time just seeing like what that felt like as an audience member and how you needed the actor to be so much more theatrical and like they were on stage in a theater to project their emotions yeah definitely it was super cool I think that would be neat. I would like to see. Let's let's bring back silent films. You know, yeah. I'm done with this talky phase that yeah. we went through for the last 80 years. Totally. Oh boy. Let's make a silent film. Okay, I'm down for that. I'm very good at overacting. What should we What should we call it? What's the story? Oh God. Um. Well, the the meta narrative that we were mocking the film with was a bunch of people screaming about what they wanted for fast food. Yes, that's true. Half one of those half KFC, half Taco Bell. Sort so of okay, it's a movie about two it's... people who fall in love, but they can't agree on what to eat. Oh God, that's perfect. <laughs> and it wedges them apart. That's absolutely with like a wedge of lettuce. I was thinking we could do. God damn it! What if we did something where like, like we could do a silent film. Where a boy moves to a city where dancing has been outlawed. <laughs> 
You could we'll honestly, never get the funding. <laughs> you could mute Footloose and still completely understand what was going on with it. Totally. I do think using the power of dance like in tandem with a silent film would work surprisingly well. I agree tremendously. <laughs> I agree. We'll make it. Let's do it. I'm a big fan of that idea. Now I just imagine someone dancing with a giant carrot. Because <laughs> I'm still stuck on food. I'm hungry. Oh, right. Okay. I'm starving. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go to Jai Tai and eat whatever nice. food they have there, which is probably none of it. Well, we should brag that you're playing this plan. You're performing tonight. You're in roast beef at Jai Tai. And by yeah. the time people hear this, it'll be too late. That's fine. When does this uh, podcast come out? Oh, I, I don't know. I've actually... Um, I, I have... I like ran out of podcasts and because I kept rescheduling things with people, but then everything happened at once. So I'm recording like five this week Got and they, I don't know what order they're going to be released in. No worries. I can. I'm just going to sell my shit right now. Sell if, it. if this comes out before January 28th, I'll be doing comedy on trial at Jai Tai on 7 p.m. That's a week from today. Uh, I have uh, I'm running a half marathon uh, at Seward <laughs> Park on February 12th, if you want to come cheer me on for that. Oh, these are two shows I'm actually super excited about. Chris Rodriguez, who's a local comic, books really fun rooms. And he tends to book stuff on more of like the south southeast side. And he's um, doing two of his rooms on February 17th. I'm going to be at Nine Yards Brewing, which is at Nine Yards Brewing, um, which I think is in Kenmore. And then on the 18th, I'm going to be at Hi-Fi Brewing, which is in Redmond. So those are super, super fun shows. He always books really good comics, and the rooms are always packed. So awesome. if you're an East Side person, come out. If not, carpool. Um, be there. It'll be super fun. Yeah. Either way, just be there. Yeah. Uh, and then you're what? On Twitter, at Anakasila? Yep. That is correct. Awesome. Do you have a website or anything? Yeah. Uh, Anakasila.com. It has all my... my upcoming dates uh purely comedy not just like annika's gonna go on a date with a man she met on tinder <laughs> and it's gonna be uncomfortable i re-downloaded tinder for a few hours before i was like oh, i'm sick i do not like this at all that reminds me i saw you on bumble so someone actually told me my friend chris warned like recently like did you see me yeah, on yeah, yeah. I, I took a snapshot because it was a picture of you that I had taken and it like it like tickled me to no end to run across that because like within I haven't been on Bumble and like I haven't been online dating in over a year uh-huh. like so if it was in the last year that's weird because I I've, I've my friend Chris was actually like he got he messaged me after my like a few months into my like last relationship and was like dude I'm not trying to like make judgment calls on you or anything but like do you know that you're on this website? And I was like, I didn't realize that that app was. So I thought I deleted it. But if not, maybe someone's just pretending to be me. Which oh, no. Why? Would it was you do Tinder. That? And maybe it was. I Tinder. literally did screen cap it. Yeah. Because no, I wanted to. I wanted to remember to bring this up when I saw you. That's my most recent. That was when I downloaded Tinder recently for like. Yeah, I'm wrong. It's Tinder. Yeah, that's fine. Because post breakup, I was like, get back into it. And then yeah. I was like, oh, no, God, you're all so boring. You're all. So boring. I don't oh, like no. this at all. Well, I was just uh, overjoyed that a photo that I had taken was helping someone potentially get laid. I got so many comments on that photo, too. Like, weird one. Oh, oh. I'm real jealous of that glass of wine. And I'm like, I'm holding it in my hand. Like, really? <laughs> Do you want a hug? Because that's all I'm doing to it. Like, it's just one hand. Guys are so creepy sometimes. Oh, God, they're so I really creepy. don't like it. Most of the people that interacted with me, because I don't really respond to people because it makes me really anxious. I'm kind of like that asshole on, on Tinder that doesn't talk to people. Yeah. But most people were like really nice. The only one guy was like started with a line that was like, 
how do you come best? And I'm like, that's not, I, I don't know. Not with you. You got to wait till the second date to ask yeah, that. Right, right. You say unless that to my the first, face. Unless okay. the first date is going really well, you wait until the second date. Yeah, yeah. But you and also, if you're the type of person that needs that instruction, just don't ask. Yeah, right. Like, mm, look at me and tell me how I come best. But anyway, yeah, yeah that's that's it. I'm tired. Yeah. I want to eat food so badly. Me too. Let's wrap this shit up. Okay. Well, it was, uh, I'm so glad we finally got to do this after a year of trying to work this Literally out. Literally a year, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, we did it. We I think, did, oh, no God. matter what else you say about <laughs> Metropolis, we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> we were there. We witnessed that today. Every moment of that movie. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, buddy. All right. <laughs> Miles literally just puked on the couch. So we're going to have to keep this in. So we're going to wrap this up. Yep. Uh, goodbye. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.